Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. I am back again with super producer Alex. Say hi. When you say super producer, does that mean I have to wear a cape? I'll get you a cape. <laughs> what, what's my cape going to say? Can I have a logo on the back? Or no, no, I have one over here. I'll just bring it over. Um, it's uh, it's bedazzled already. Okay, I'm already worried that you have a bedazzled cape. Let's just not even delve into that story. I have two story. capes. I own two. <laughs> What are we doing today, Miss Tracy? We're talking crime. We're talking crime. I think uh, I think you found us some pretty interesting uh, stuff to talk about. But the question is, would you chop off your own arm to collect on a dismemberment policy? Absolutely not. You know what a dismemberment policy is? Yeah, that's where you you uh, get paid money for a, a appendage that's not attached anymore. <laughs> what exactly is an appendage worth? Well, I'll tell you, I know how much like a finger's worth. How much? Five grand. Is this from your factory running days? It is. It is. <laughs> I I had an employee. He stuck his finger up uh, where he couldn't see. And just uh, stop right there. I don't need. No, to know no, no, no. He stuck it up where there's like an impeller and uh -huh. he didn't he didn't know what was up in there and it got his finger. Okay, that right there should be a red flag. You'd never put your finger into something that you don't know what's in it. Well, my employees, uh, they they were not, not the not highest the caliber. Sharpest were they? knives in the drawer. <laughs> we tried to not tell the them there's a little picture on it. Don't put your finger up there. Finger up there. <laughs> you think the picture would have done it? Right. Well, in like, this case, okay. here's a guy named Michael Leduc. Okay. And he faked an amputation in order to fool his insurance company and collect the money. So uh, he's a Michigan resident. He submitted forged medical records showing that he lost an arm in a wood chipper. Oh, his, yeah. His insurance caught the, oh. his insurer caught the fraudulent paperwork, apparently, because it's hard to prove an arm amputation with two attached arms. So, so he didn't think anybody was going to come visit him. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I really don't. I think well, you want to hear about the rabbi and $450 million? Yeah. <laughs> Get this. Rabbi Shalom Weiss. Mm. He masterminded one of the largest insurance fraud cases in American history. Really? He organized a criminal coalition of rabbis. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it was a criminal coalition of businessmen. They defrauded their way to a staggering $450 million. What'd they do? The judge. Well, the judge in turn rewarded Weiss with a staggering 845 years in prison. Oh, his projected release date from the Pennsylvania pen is November 2754. Oh, no, wait, do we know what he did? <laughs> I don't know. It's $450 worth of insurance fraud. I don't have any details beyond that. Insurance fraud. So damage mm -hmm. to the like the synagogue. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. It was clearly insurance fraud. So maybe there was no damage. They just had to. Uh, they, they had to come up with some pictures of it and, uh, I don't know, cut off an arm in the process, maybe. Oh, well, hmm. I don't Oh my gosh. People, man, the stuff people do. Well, you want to hear about the cosmetic surgeon named Shanita? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Her name is Shanita Flax. 
like mm-hmm. the seed, flax seed. Okay. So Shanita Flax, Las Vegas cosmetic surgeon, she found an insurance fraud opportunity in a government program that pays for cancer survivors' breast implants. Mm. She had a two-part plan and involved pocketing the cash from patients and filing fake, fake paperwork with the government. So if her plan would have worked, we wouldn't be writing about it, obviously. Right. She was charged with 18 counts of theft and one count of attempted theft. So I guess what she was doing here is uh, filing fraudulent paperwork saying she's got a patient with cancer who needs implants and then uh, that she had performed the, the procedure and then just kept the money. But is she even a doctor? We don't even know. Well, she's Dr. Shanita, obviously. Well, is she, though? Does it say I doctor? don't know that either. She may have faked that part. This too. sounds like is she from Florida? This sounds like a non. <laughs> no, no, I just we just went over this. This was Vegas. And so oh. it's second only to Florida and Alabama, I think. Oh. Uh, and I've got maybe one more here. If you're up for one more, are one you? more, one more, because we got interviews to do. OK, I want to hear this interview, too. But you do not want to leave behind your wife with a broken heart and all the bills. No. That's a bad idea. So that's what a Long Island, New York man discovered after he faked a drowning to collect his insurance money, his life insurance money. Mm -hmm. She says, the wife says, while I was crying and thinking he had drowned, he was really vacationing in a resort and having a drink in the pool. Oh, yeah. Her husband, Raymond, had faked his death and enlisted a relative to help him keep the money away from his wife. That's the problem. You can't be enlisting people. That was his mistake. What do you think happened when she figured this out? She is not happy. And Uh, she killed him. She put on her cape and turned him in. Oh, I don't think she put on a cape, but she turned him in. She definitely turned him in. How much how much jail time did he get? I don't have the answer to that question. I just know you don't want to do that to your wife and then expect to get away with it. Well, I hope he enjoyed his time. (laughs) <laughs> this is actually there's a uh, there's a scene in a movie uh, one of my favorite favorite movies it's an elmore leonard movie but it's uh get shorty so john Travolta, did you it. ever see that one no okay probably my favorite movie ever is get shorty i could watch that one another 30 times uh but that's one of the themes in the story is that the dry cleaner leo from miami he was the martinizing king of miami uh and he was supposed to be on a plane that ends up crash landing outside of the airport and, uh, and everybody was killed. Uh, the truth was he had gone into the bar inside the airport, drank too much, passed out on the bar and missed his flight, Oh, which is good because it kept him alive. So meanwhile, the, the airport, or rather I should say the insurance company uh, pays whatever his life is with the remainder of his life is worth to his widow. Um, he contacts his widow, has her send the money to him in Vegas where he's running it up at the tables out there. But of course, you can't do anything about it because he's supposed to be dead. Right. Oh. And then John Travolta finds him and it's game over. And we'll, well leave I'm that going story to watch there. that then. I'm going to have to watch that. But talk about game over. You know who does some game over stuff is my guest today. Is this is this the Tom O'Malley? Tom O'Malley, the Tom O'Malley, former federal prosecutor. And the guy who went after the mailman. Well, not only did he go after mailmen, but he helped catch this gang of guys that were rappers. They were rappers and uh-huh. um, and they stole millions in um, identity theft fraud. Huh? Well, it yeah. sounds like they were doing better at that than they were at rapping. Well, I've seen their videos and um, they, they needed another job besides rapping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no rap expert, but yeah, they did. And so he's going to talk about um, uh, the crooked mailman. Also, he was the first to use 
Nest security cameras as evidence to catch the bad guys. He's going to talk all about that. Which ones are the Nest cameras? Uh, the Nest ones, like, uh, like, like put it like have... in a bird's nest or something. Well, no, no, no. The you know the Nest ones. You can so you can see your house camera on your on your phone and it records movement and okay. like like a doorbell cam. Okay, got it. Yeah. So he's going to talk huh. all about that and, and how he kind of pioneered that. And uh, and also the easiest thing you can do to protect yourself from a big fraud loss. Well, this sounds great. I'm going to excuse myself back down in the, uh, my, my spot underneath the desk where I just make things sound good. Let you mm-hmm. take it from here. Yeah, go away. Let's get with Tom. Tom, it is so great to have you with me here on Truth, Lies and Cover Ups. Thanks for taking a minute to come on. Thank you, Tracy. Um, really enjoy being on your program. I've seen you um, interview some noteworthy people before, so I don't know why you picked me. <laughs> oh, well, I think it's mainly because of your picture here that you've put up um, of you uh, with the 1980s um, wireless phone. Because that man, that was or a car phone, even man, that was a big deal if you had that in the 80s. It was so, the original brick. And yeah. I started prosecuting and pursued criminals uh before beepers were even invented. So uh, anyways, the unfrozen cave, my lawyer is my persona. I don't know how to work Zoom here. I don't know how to unmute myself, but uh, let me see. I'll figure it out here. Oh, I think you okay. got it. You're just All right, there we us. go. No, you're good. You're good. So All right, I see I got my portrait hanging up here in the Asheville Federal District Court. There you go. There you go. All right. So let's talk a little bit about you. I got I got a really uh, cool intro here. So you are uh, Tom O'Malley, uh, identity security expert with Frozen Pie. We're going to talk about that. Um, you started Frozen Pie as a free public service for consumers in 2019, and you help uh, consumers freeze their credit report. I'm a huge fan of cre- freezing credit reports. And um, let's see, you were a career prosecutor and assistant uh, U.S. attorney with the U.S. Department of Justice for 32 years. Man, that you've seen some stuff. Yeah. And um, specialized in prosecuting crimes involving computer hacking and intellectual property uh and id theft cases so we have a lot to talk about so much to talk about first let's talk about frozen pie uh how'd you come up with the name what are you doing with it i mean freezing credit reports is the i think the number one thing that people can do to uh i mean you're going to prevent 90 percent of the of the fraud that that can be committed against you i think um in an unseen well, if, basis if people do that the problem is right. getting them to number one understand it and then do it it's all free so the way i i got started you know, into this sort of at this point, uh, non-profit only because it's a non-revenue producing business venture. You're just spending uh, money on it, Tom, aren't it, you? <laughs> yeah, so I'm hosting my own stuff and doing, I don't, nobody does my videos, I do videos, et cetera. But um, I was a victim along with 21.5 million other uh, government workers or their families uh, in the 2015 OPM data breach. That's the oh, my brother was in that. Yeah, yeah my that's where the Chinese that. government stole mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's files. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I had top secret clearance because of the nature of the work I was doing. So, and then within those uh, files, uh, confidential files, there's a deep history for every one of those people, government workers going back to the time you've got to account for everything you did and where you Mm -hmm. live from the time you were uh, 18 years old. And then uh, you had to put all your relatives information in there. So it's, it's a pretty deep dive of personal information of people doing sensitive work. So uh, anyways, I started looking into the to 
freezing credit because all they were doing is offering the credit monitoring, which is right. it's kind of like having a burglar alarm in your house, right? You don't put any locks on and somebody comes in and burglarizes your house and takes stuff. Uh, in this case, virtually, it's going to be your identity information. And um, you don't get your stuff back, right? Right. And you just wait, what, for them to do it again? So you got to put your own locks on. And the way to do it is uh, credit reports. So I sort of started as a just as a side venture for family and friends saying, look, this is what you need to do. And then when I retired from the government in January, 2019, I go, well, look, now it's free in every state, freezing your kids' credits free in every state. This is according to government reports and every expert in the field is the best way to protect your identity from being used by criminals to get new loans and new credit cards in your name, because going down that path of a, as a victim is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. To try to get your um, information back. For a while, I was working, and I still believe in the company, um, with um, uh, Legal Shield, And they and they do a lot of the work for you uh, to, to put that back. Uh, and and I, still, I still carry the insurance. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. So um, has, has anyone used your info from that that you know about? Or? Yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't track any data. Mm -hmm. At this point, I will be working out some relationships in the uh, not-for-profit industry to mm -hmm. spread awareness and stuff. And, and you know, we might get some stats of how to further uh, convince people what they need to do and help mm -hmm. them do that. And also get them help when they become victims of identity theft and identity fraud, how to work through it. Because the government does a pretty crappy job of it, quite frankly. Uh, and everybody else in the industry wants to charge people to protect their identity. Uh, and it's not really protection, right? It's like after the fact uh, assistance. But mm -hmm. you can prevent 99% of the new account fraud just by freezing credit reports and knowing how to do it. Um, so, that's so I, we're at. I, I have a blog post on freezing uh, credit reports and I'll, I'll see if I can put the link in the show notes. What, what is your uh, tip on, on how to do it? So right now uh, I have a beta site, live site mm -hmm. at frozenpipii.org. So basically what I do is I provide links. So people, and these are links to, um, trusted sites and the credit reporting agencies themselves, the big three, I call them the Serrano's credit reporting agencies, because they're the, they're the gorillas who operate the whole identity business, mm -hmm. including trying to get people to pay them to quote, uh, protect their identity through credit monitoring. So um, you're allowed to by law, get a free credit report. It's under lots once every year, but because of COVID you can get it once a week now. Oh, really? So, yeah, from Experian, Equifax, uh -huh. TransUnion, once a week, you can pull your reports because wow. there's so much fraud going on. Mm -hmm. And that fraud can end up in your credit report. Once it ends up in your credit report, you're going to get charged higher interest rates. You can be nine lows. You could lose a job. Uh, there's so many things that can happen once the bad actor's information gets into your credit report. The other thing uh, that we like to do besides checking your credit report is also links to each of the big three CRAs. Uh, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, so that you can start a dispute process saying, look, this is not me. This is a criminal. Uh -huh. And by law, there's a certain dispute resolution time period to get that bad information off your credit report. And then finally, once you get your credit report cleaned up, or even before you cleaned up, at least when you start knowing what's in there, going ahead and making sure that it doesn't happen again and cleaning it up, you go ahead and freeze it. And what a freeze does is that uh, when any criminal from a data breach, or let's say 
thousands or hundreds of criminals or millions of criminals, right? They can get your information from anywhere in the web, from any data breach. Oh, yeah. It loses you to any one of 15,000 plus financial institutions. And if you get through their fraud risk analytics, which is designed to protect merely their business model of making money from debt, not protecting you, well, then, then you get hit. So when you freeze it, let's say nine criminals go to financial institutions online mm-hmm. or in person, whatever, and apply for, for credit or new loans in your name. Uh, if it's frozen, that institution that's considering giving that fraudulent loan, they can't pull up a credit report. And if they can't pull up a credit report, then they can't make a, an assessment of like, is this person going to pay back the money? What interest rate? Mm-hmm. What charge? What's the credit history? And so they'll deny it. Um, and then you, on the other hand, would simply go in and say, okay, I'll unfreeze it. So by law, you can do that online or over the telephone in less than 15 minutes. So for example, when you go to the car dealer and you give them their driver's license, they can't, while you're test driving the car, go and run your credit reports. If they do, they're going to hit with a frozen uh, frozen message. Mm -hmm. And then if you decide to buy a car and if you want to get financing from them, then you can go ahead separately, unfreeze the credit report with one or all three of them, get the loan and then freeze it back up again. So, right. you know, you've, the only one who's going to protect your identity best is you. And so we give you the information, the tools to do that. Oh, I love that. And, and that, and it sounds very uh, impersonal, I guess. And uh, like, oh, this would never happen to me and things like that. But you've seen some stories. You've, you've prosecuted some cases and you sent me a, a couple of them uh that i think are just jaw dropping and so let's let's talk a little bit about um this tlo software and the rap and rapper tony deboss <laughs> let's talk a little bit about about good old tony and this software because there's uh like you said uh, uh uh i guess what's the best word um retailers, right? Or anybody, um, financial institutions, they have this TLO database, right? And that's, and that's what uh, TransUnion uses to, I guess, disseminate the information so people can query your, your uh, credit report, right? Um, or, so, or do you want to get into that a little bit? I, I, may, yeah, I might so, have summarized it too, too broadly. Okay. So TLO, which stands for the last one, its founder died and TransUnion, the credit reporting agency, purchased TLO and they offered as a spinoff subsidiary business. And TLO basically has algorithms and searches thousands of publicly available databases and, mm-hmm. and proprietary databases and pulls out of information. And um, you can get whatever information you want on anybody find out their profile, build that profile, mm-hmm. and go ahead and get a credit report based on stolen information. So, you know, that Tony DeBoss case was one where uh, they were able to, through a um, through an associate, had access to the TLO database. So he didn't need to go to, to uh, the dark web, right? This is out there. And at the time, the way this was done in South Carolina, you did not need a business license to operate as a, you didn't need a special license to be a debt collection agency. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, you did. So what we were experiencing in the Charlotte office at the time was gangs basically posing as debt collection companies 
not based in North Carolina, but right across the line in South Carolina, they'd get a uh, empty building, they'd find somebody with a clean record, and they'd say they're in the debt collection business, and mm -hmm. somebody at the time would come and make sure they had the office facilities and made sure that, you know, they had paper shredders and all, all the things mm -hmm. that you need. Uh, and at the time, they did not check who your employees were. So let's say oh. uh, in a couple of these cases, they'd say, okay, I'm going to have 10... 10 employees and I want 10 licenses. And at mm -hmm. the time they did not do background checks on the 10 licenses, right? Who were those people? So somebody could go ahead and hire 10 ex-convicts with criminal records and knowledge about identity theft and collect all the information they need to make false application mm -hmm. with the data that they can get, not on the dark net, but through TLO services, because mm -hmm. TLO just has this algorithm, they can get this information in seconds. So Tony DeBoss is one of the people who participated in, in these types of conspiracies. Uh, I started that investigation or participated in the early stage of the investigation. And then I had some, you know, related cases, the same thing. So uh, all you have to do is, let's say, do you want me to, if you go to, uh, no, this doesn't show. Yeah, it's well. not showing up good, is it? So if you go to um, YouTube mm -hmm. and just Google Tony DeBoss, mm -hmm. you'll see this amateur rap group and all the <laughs> all the things you see in there, like these mansions and these mm -hmm. fancy sports cars and money. It's not monopoly money. It's not counterfeit money. It's real cash that they got from the scheme. Mm -hmm. Opposing is, uh, you know, victims of identity, of course, they didn't pose the victims, but they used their identity, mm -hmm. got new loans, got new credit cards. In that case, they made at least $1.2 million in a relatively short time span. But that's how easy it is. And, you know, I've asked various um, friends who uh, used to be <laughs> criminals, Brett Johnson, I call him my BFF, my best felon friend. Oh, me so, too. I love, <laughs> yeah, he, he's my most notorious uh, friend. Yes. Yeah, he's, well, look, he's the real deal. He's not a fake Frank Abagnale who, you know, told this story that now has been outed in a book and, and mm -hmm. Abagnale has not responded, you know, to catch a thief. No, he's the real deal. And he did seven years time and he double dealt in the, um, you know, on the Secret Service at the time as a CI, but, you know, he's truly reformed and I've done court presentations with, with Brett, but he'll tell you, look, if I was facing a frozen, you know, uh, frozen credit, I'd just move on to the next person. Uh, because so you have to work at it to get behind it and try to get that person's credit report to the agency that or the institution that you want to get a loan from. So, uh, so that's like one example how you can protect yourself from people like Tony DeBoss and, and his uh, conspirators. In that case, they were an amateur rap group and just boasted through the videos all the money they're making. You know, one of the one of the videos is one hundred thousand dollars is not enough. <laughs> Well, and, and, and that that gets to be really interesting because because um, it, it says that um, they were they were renting uh, luxury apartments, buying cars, getting credit cards in other people's names, loans. Yep, They're in the video. The mansions yeah. are in the video. It's in somebody. It's in some victim's name. All the utilities provided for oh, some victim's name, all the electronic equipment to do is surveillance all from credit using victims names, now, sports now, cars, all using fake, you know, stolen identities. That was what was really interesting about this, uh, about Tony's case is that he was the, I believe, and um, you correct me uh, where I'm wrong on this, but weren't they the first case where the, uh, the government went to the ring doorbell people and said, we need your 
surveillance from this or how, how did that play into it? Yeah. So when they did a search warrant, Tony DeBoss, you know, they've been, you know, observing for quite some time and I can't discuss all the, the various techniques, but when it came time to do the search warrant, um, they saw the, the nest cams, which recorded inside and outside. Oh, so it was and, a nest, right? Yeah. And I believe it was nest at the time. And they went ahead and, and got warrants for third party data for all that mm-hmm. information and, and which provided the government with even more evidence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's unfortunately, that's uh, been the issue now with several homicides of police officers uh, shot through the door when there's a SWAT team there. Oh, they're boy. Using, they're using assault style weapons and high high speed, you know, 223 caliber ammunition that can pierce a, uh, a vest. And yeah, so now that's another challenge for law enforcement when they want to go ahead and arrest somebody pretty much for any kind of crime. The ones recently where people died were, you know, uh, FBI agents uh, involved in investigating a child pornography case. Oh, man. So, well, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's dangerous for law enforcement out there. Huh. Who would have thought? Uh, well, OK, so let's let's talk a little bit about about this, about Tony's case yet. So how how did you all become alerted that there was a problem? So I inherited the case midstream between the initiation of it and mm-hmm. it's then transferred to to another attorney in the office. And uh, the, the, the tip had come from uh, the banking industry. So that gave oh. them some lead. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the government can use various techniques, grand jury subpoenas, uh, search warrants for digital evidence, uh-huh. um, you know, to start monitoring the activity. They can also go ahead and do traditional, you know, street cop, uh, like tailing them. Fake outs, yeah digital, uh, you know, digital technology to track them. Um, also identify the associates, obtain information from the associates. So the government has the, you know, has the luxury of, you know, in the middle of a transaction, so long as nobody can be hurt mm-hmm. of, you know, building their case and make sure they have all the right people. And, um, you know, just for, for example, just this is a violent crime case that I inherited for trial, but you know, or sitting on a wire and you don't want to burn the wire prematurely in a, on a big drug investigation. And they okay, hang, hang on. Let's 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 uh, decode what burn the wire means, because wire means you have a, a guy with with like a recording device on. Right. Is or no, no. Wiretap okay. is wiretap is where the government oh, wiretap. A, a court okay. order. Okay. Uh, in this case, they are monitoring uh, telephone conversations between the conspirators on multiple phones. Mm-hmm. And in this particular case, uh, the one of the main targets was going to go and was talking about uh, retaliating against somebody at a daycare and not a daycare, but at a child um, play facility, indoor mm-hmm. play facility. And he was going to go there with a um, semi-automatic assault rifle oh. and shoot this person with kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you burn the wire, if you like took it down and expose the wire, mm-hmm. that's the end of the investigation. So in those time cases, you have to go ahead and stop the violent crime from happening so you can get a state police agency make the stop seize the weapons dismiss the the weapons case right so you you prevented that crime from happening and dismiss the state case knowing that you'll be able to use it later in the case so it's the Mm -hmm. same thing with tony the boss they could go ahead and continue to see how deep is this conspiracy what is what are all the methods they're using to collect this data who they're um, using this data with who are the victims Um, Mm -hmm. and so yeah so that that can go and at some point in time when you have all your ducks in a row then you execute the search warrant 
you make arrest and you you've got if you haven't already indicted the case and put it under seal you've got 10 days if the defendant's in custody to to go ahead and return an indictment so pretty much someone's bsa software tripped and 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 that's when they got in in touch with you bank uh bsa aml software sounds like what yeah, like I say, they, we, they they received a tip from uh, one or more financial institutions and mm-hmm. picked up on it from there. Got it, got it. Wow. Okay. And then, how did that? Um, what what was? Uh, can you expand on your part in that and how the case ended up? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't wanna, I, you know, I, I think the the important part is like how easy it is for uh-huh. for just a common street criminal. They didn't have any special training. This is all just street smarts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody in this group ever graduated from high school. Oh, wow. They're making, you know, between them, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars each over mm-hmm. time. And, mm-hmm. and like I say, it was over a million. For, in the meantime, you've got all these victims who have to go ahead and, and say, well, wait a minute. I, I didn't get that loan for the Ferrari uh-huh. or I didn't rent that mansion and destroy it. So so I'm I'm focused now uh, on the victim side of it. The, at, back then, it was the focus on prosecuting the criminals to mm-hmm. prevent them from it from doing it. But you know, it's like herding cats. You take one defendant down. There's like thousands, and in, in this global world, there are millions oh, of yeah. people ready to step in their place. So all you can do as a person is take steps to protect your own identity and not be that victim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Now, let's talk. Um, a little bit about synthetic identities. Cause I think that's kind of spooky where someone just, it's not even a real person. It's not even identity theft per se in the way that we would think of it. So let's talk about how that's coming up. Is it related to this TLO software? Like what's the, what's the deal here? Okay, so synthetic identity has nothing to do with TLO. TLO okay. is just one of the many platforms where criminals can get information about victims and target them and use their identity to get loans and credit uh-huh. cards in their name and, and cause harm to real people. Mm-hmm. Um, synthetic identity is where a criminal go ahead, goes ahead and takes bits and pieces of information and creates this fake person. And this fake person called synthetic identity um, can get loans and can get credit cards. And that's that's really... Uh, hitting the financial institutions big time. The way it came about was um, before 2011, a professor from Carnegie Mellon had published a report saying that with the way that social security numbers were issued at the time, like the first, there's three digits and there's two digits, Mm -hmm. and each one represented the location, you know, one set what represented the location of where the person was born and the other, the time period. And so the only thing in the mix was four, uh, numbers after that, they published a report that like uh, criminals with, with various social uh, interfaces to the social media can go ahead and guess or find those four numbers and pretend to be that real person. So the Social Security Administration in July in, in 2011 said, well, you know what, we're going to randomize the first five numbers. So it doesn't matter, what, matter where you were born or what year you were born, and they don't publish these lists. And the thing was the time that um, financial institutions were able to use that prior information to spot whether people were real people or whether it was a fake social security number. Once they randomized the entire number, they had no method by which to monitor. Oh, wow. 
right? Mm -hmm. So, so the criminals, the, the way it works is um, now there's ways to prevent that now if, if companies want to spend the money, but the way it has been working is that um, they'll the criminals will either use the social security numbers of minors or mm -hmm. uh, immigrants, you know, 10 numbers that, that uh, they found and they'll go ahead and mix that with other information, fake name, fake address, you know, fake employer, fake income, et cetera, and create this fictitious person. And uh, maybe the first financial institution won't issue credit, but they will, by just making that application, they will have created a credit file for that fictitious person in the database of the credit reporting agencies, whether it's Experian, TransUnion, or Equifax. And then the next financial institution will say, oh, there's been an inquiry, there's no record, but we're going to go ahead and take a chance because we, you know, if they can lock you as a young person in debt, right? Oh, yeah. They're going to keep on giving you credit and, you know, free interest for a year. I mean, the whole business is to make money off this $4 trillion debt industry mm -hmm. of all kinds of loans. So they'll take a chance and offer these synthetic identities they think are real people, you know, a $300, $500 card. And sometimes criminals will go ahead and, up their credit limit by being ponied onto somebody else's credit card. This is set up just to give them good credit. Like, you know, if you're a young person and your parents put you on their credit report, give you a card, right? Even though you don't use it, you inherit their good credit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they'll be one, oh, this person is on the credit card of John Doe. He's got a great record. So let's give him a thousand dollar credit limit instead of 300. So, or they can make the minimum payments on a 300 card until they get a higher and just do a bust out, mm -hmm. or they can just get a whole bunch of $500 cards in the case I had and just, you know, don't pay it and get one after another. And uh, I had one defendant who got over $400,000 doing that. With so, five, with um, just 500, that's a lot of work. That's, it's easier mm. to get a job. <laughs> It? it is not easier to get a job. I mean, it's really, you get this information. We had, we introduced at the, you know, at the hearing, his notebook that we'd seized with all these fictitious identities. And then he created a, a business saying, oh, do you have credit problems? We can help repair your credit. And they've got this whole scam where they actually get both witting, you know, knowing people and unwitting people who don't know that this is all a scam and they'll, they think they're reestablishing new credit with what they call this privacy identification number, which is mm -hmm. BS, right? There's no such thing. It's either a oh. social security number or it's not. Mm -hmm. And then these people, so he would advertise on Facebook, hey, I can get you credit. I can get you a new car with new credit. Uh, so he expanded it by selling his services to other people, some of whom knew that it was a crime and some who did not. So in, in, every, in this notebook, look, <clears throat> it is not hard work for criminals, which is why it's a multi-billion dollar problem for the industry and for people. So what was in this notebook exactly? Can you expand on that or do you need so to So he not? went ahead and just hand wrote this notebook and he'd write fictitious names and he'd uh -huh. put in fictitious social security numbers and he put in fictitious employers and he put in fictitious um, um, information on salary, et cetera. And he submitted this financial institution. Now, look, most financial institutions are going to have some means to identify fraudulent right. applications. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if all these fictitious identities had the same address, right, then the financial institution can catch it. Right. But what this criminal was doing was 
using real addresses throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those addresses existed. So the, so the, the lender didn't have any view that this was going to one address. What the criminal did was they simply went on the U S postal service and had the mail from each of those locations forwarded to the single address in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so the way we got the tip in that case was the mailman said, you know what? <laughs> he reports his bosses. I've been delivering a lot of credit cards, this location, oh, wow. you know, different names. And uh-huh. so that started the investigation. We got in touch with the financial institution and we started doing our digital investigation. Also, we did a search warrant and like, you know, hit the gold mine of everything he was doing to make synthetic identities. Even this little, this book and notebook was pretty thick of all these fictitious identities that he had submitted and that he was going to submit. And besides doing this as quote, a debt collection, um, a, a debt credit repair business, he also taught other people how to do the same thing. Oh, wow. Yep. So he was, so it is not hard work. Man. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard work for the money. I'm telling you. Well, now, what do you know about these um, fraud Bibles that are out there online? You ever had any uh, experience with them? Like, because because they're supposed to tell you exactly uh, exactly how to do ex- what, what you're saying here. And I've been I've been looking for some on on the uh, dark web. I don't want to search too too much because I'm afraid I'll end up on a list somehow uh, that I don't want to be on. But I'm just curious what's out there, what you know about, and how these guys are are learning the systems well uh i can tell you based on experience they hear from their friends right uh-huh. you know, let me show you how to do it that's one way it's just having somebody who does like man you're driving all these cars and you got a nice house you got a nice boat and like don't seem to have a job what are you doing <laughs> and it's, it's successful work well it is sort of a successful work from home but it's a legal work from home well yeah yeah and so they teach them that way uh there are also videos on youtube They'll tell you how to do it. And what they try to do is they basically say, this is not to be used to commit crimes, right? Uh This is so you understand. And, you know, look, the problem is more criminals watch those than the legitimate consumers watch those. Because if the legitimate consumers would watch them, they go, well, damn, this is easy. I could be a victim easily. What can I do to protect myself? So, you know, one of the things I've been doing and and Brett and I have been talking about is launching our own podcast called Hacking ID or Hacking Identity to basically say, look, this is what criminals are. We're not teaching criminals anything they don't already know or anything they're not telling one another, either formally, Mm -hmm. informally, chat rooms, dark web, whatever, even in Facebook groups, right? Then create a Facebook group to, to talk about illegal activity. You know, what the genuine person does who's watching everything else in the world is not watching those we need to say hey look this is how easy it is and this is what you can do to prevent it so so we've been talking about that it's it's tough to get off the ground because both he and i uh, are solo solo operators yeah me too yeah. we do the video we do the pot you know how it is mm-hmm. and you got you know a bunch of irons in the fire so um you know without money you can't hire people to do stuff and help with editing but yeah so that's uh it's out there. It's kind of like back in the day. I don't know if you ever heard of the anarchist cookbook. Uh, yeah, I have. I never uh, got a copy for myself. <laughs> okay. So, so basically, you know, they had the preamble. This is, you know, this is not intended for you to go ahead and make bombs. Uh-huh. And it was an instruction manual on how to make bombs. And, you know, it was free press and, uh, you know, it's been widely published and used by terrorists yeah but i mean you know now they just you can watch videos on this um so 
it is what it is. It is. And you're out there fighting the good fight. So uh, want any last tips for people? We got freeze your credit. Anything else? Well, so um, so right now at frozenpie.org, we mm-hmm. have just, you know, everything you need to prevent uh, identity fraud by freezing your credit. The most important reason to do this is because your credit report is your report card. Mm-hmm. It's it, If that report card is not good, you are going to suffer right? You're going to have high interest rates. You're going to have denied loans. You're going to have denied uh, employment because employers look at that. You'll be denied rent. Mm-hmm. You'll be denied the ability to purchase. So if you're, if you don't know what's in your report and you don't correct criminal information report and you don't freeze in your credit report, it's just a matter of time. If you've not already been a victim, you'll find out through this process of looking at your credit reports that you are already a victim or Mark my words, you will eventually become a victim and you oh, probably yeah. already know people who become victims. So then you've got this whole thing of, you know, ironically, I had to prove defendants guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. But in the financial world, you have to prove as a victim that you're not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Oh, Otherwise, they leave it on there. So that's yeah. so that's the first order of business. But when I do the uh, I'm still working in dot com website, which is password mm-hmm. protecting now, but I'm going to be listing other ways that you can freeze your identity. For example, you need to get your own uh, social security account, right? So, so but nobody can have their payments directed to you or use their identity, to get your benefits. I've had that happen to some friends. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, when they went to apply for social, for Medicare, they found out somebody had been using and getting social disability payments for four years. Um, and they didn't know about it till they applied for, for their Medicare. Um, the other thing is you can freeze it with the DHS for employment purposes. Uh, IRS now, you can ask for a PIN so you won't be a victim of, of identity fraud. So I'm going to expand Frozen Pie in the dot-com version to show people, walk them through, hey, here, this is where you go. We're just going to link. This is what you need to do. It's not really hard. You just need to know where to get started and follow the, you know, paint by the numbers instructions to protect your identity. Got it. Oh, I love what you're up to. So that's frozenpii.com. Org for now. No, oh, dot org. org. Okay. Dot org, right? That's the beta. And hopefully by this fall, I'll have the dot com site with more protection. It'll have at least the credit freeze part of it, but then more. Got it. All right. You know how to do it. Thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover Ups. You're awesome. Thank you, Tracy. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.